Chapter Twenty One of the Spider by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Twenty One Justice. There was a long pause, a sinister lull in the tempest of passion which was raging in that quiet, prosaic room. Gasping with impotent passion, Maunders lay, resting his head against the door an obstacle which prevented the guilty woman from escaping not that she attempted to escape with a deadly white face with steady cold malignant eyes like those of a snake and with a contemptuous smile on her thin lips the spider visible at last in all her brazen wickedness stood defiantly at bay towton with ida clinging to his arm almost terrified out of her senses stared aghast at the evil being who had been such a curse to many the ominous silence was like the year-long moment before the bursting of a bomb ida with chattering teeth and trembling limbs was the first to recover the use of her tongue but she could scarcely form the words oh god oh god she whimpered hiding her face on her lover's breast it's too awful i never thought i never thought oh 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 she broke down with a strange hysterical choking cry and would have fallen to the ground but that the colonel placed her gently in a near chair then he turned with military precision to face miss hest you are the spider he asked in dry precise tones and now entirely master of himself yes she replied coolly and her mouth closed with a triumphant snap you infernal fiend gently gently hard names break no bones colonel you should be more of a man than to throw words at a woman yes gasped maunders raising himself on his elbow and wiping the froth from his pale lips she is frances hest right enough her brother is a myth invented by herself to mask her devilries but frances or frances she is the spider i did not mean that exactly said towton in his hard voice but i asked if one capable of the enormities credited to the spider can possibly be a woman i am the spider said miss hest with a shrug there is your answer you are a demon more names really colonel towton you are very childish you sink to the level of that fool and she pointed scornfully to ida who was weeping in the chair as though her heart would break to think that i should have been her friend moaned ida with a fresh burst of tears and hiding her face you little fool said frances in a gentle dangerous voice i have been a better friend to you than you think but that i pitied you as being a poor weak silly worm i would have murdered you long ago you murdered my father shivered ida not daring to meet the cold eyes which rested on her prostrate form martin dimsdale was not your father you 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 murdered him yes i did what towton could scarcely believe his ears you admit the crime francis yawned ostentatiously if i admit that i am the spider it follows that i must have murdered dimsdale well no replied towton truthfully and justly you may have employed hokar to strangle him that is very good of you said francis satirically but i don't place my own sins on the shoulders of others hokar taught me how to strangle in the thug fashion certainly but he did not kill dimsdale i did 
still i don't believe that the murderer was premeditated insisted towton upon my word said miss hest good-humouredly and as coolly as though she were gossiping over a cup of tea one would think you were counsel for the defence no you are right i did not intend to murder dimsdale having got you out of the way you mean that you got vernon out of the way of course assented frances sitting down and crossing her legs in a gentlemanly fashion but you must excuse my bad memory as i have so much to think of i got vernon out of the way as i overheard and maunders there overheard the arrangement for a trap we were both on the veranda and i was with you wailed ida shivering again so you were said miss hest raising her eyebrows but you heard nothing maunders caught a word or two through the open window of the library and warned me while you my dear ida were talking to him i stole round the corner and listened knowing all about the trap i had vernon decoyed to the kensington house and at the appointed time i went into the library masked and cloaked as were the other guests at the ball dimsdale was waiting for me i stole up behind him and slipped a handkerchief around his neck oh the colonel was revolted and you say that the crime was not premeditated i say truly i simply prepared to strangle him slightly should he have made an outcry remember i was in a dangerous position and could not stand on ceremony had dimsdale given me the money and permitted me to leave by the window i would have spared his life as it was he saw me in the mirror which was directly in front of him but you were masked he could not recognize you i am coming to that he waited for a moment until i made my demand for the money then suddenly threw back his hand and before i guessed his intention he tore the mask from my face when he recognized me i was obliged for my own safety to strangle him as the handkerchief was in position i simply tightened it and he was soon dead then i searched for the money but not being able to find it i resumed my mask and returned to the ballroom maunders of course was with me all the time and awaited my return i did not know that you had committed a murder said maunders gloomily no i did not tell you at the time it would have spoiled your pleasure but when ida learned the truth by entering the library you guessed what had taken place i kept you with me for your own sake to provide an alibi should you be suspected as i feared vernon might be clever enough to guess that you had something to do with it as a matter of fact he did hint at it when he called many days later but i was enabled to say that you were with me all the time and so he was put off the scent i remember murmured the colonel to himself but not so low as not to be overheard by miss hest's marvellously sharp ears vernon was quite satisfied when you provided the alibi for maunders he never suspected you no one ever suspected me said frances coolly there is no need for me to speak of my own cleverness any one who can baffle the police as i have done has no need to boast but why in heaven's name with your abilities did you embark on such an evil course asked towton amazed at her sang-froid fate fortune destiny what name you will said miss hest carelessly but you have tried to exonerate me colonel and because of that you shall hear the whole story and leaning forward she pulled the bell-rope remember i shall repeat all you say to the police warned towton i am not afraid of the police retorted frances with a shrug all my plans are made to escape as that fool she pointed to maunders lying sullenly on the floor 
has betrayed me twice i give him to you as a sacrifice but i shall never stand in the dock you may be sure will you kill yourself cried ida terrified at this strength of mind no my dear i am too much in love with life you shall know my plan presently meantime you shall hear how i came to be a blackmailer as you have already heard why i murdered dimsdale to my misfortune to your misfortune indeed sharply you may well say so colonel i never intended to soil my hands with blood least of all with that of a man whom i liked and who was kind to me don't sigh ida after all i did not shed his blood as i merely strangled him but that death brought you and vernon in chase of me colonel so i am hunted down still had maunders been true i should have been safe you knew francis hest as the criminal thanks to maunders i merged the brother and the sister and made everything safe now she shrugged her shoulders i must flit you shall go to prison with me panted maunders furiously i think not rejoined miss hest contemptuously don't you know me well enough yet to be aware that i provide against all contingencies come in she added raising her voice and when the door opened looked at towton i shall ask my old nurse miss jewin to relate the beginning of my career at a later time i can take up the tale and then our tumbled-down friend yonder can finish the story sarah enter and close the door miss sarah jewin was peaked faced and white with thin lips scanty gray hair and cold gray eyes she was thin and bony and very tall so that in her plain black dress she looked like a line length without breadth as she entered maunders with a groan hoisted himself into a chair miss jewin had already pushed him aside when she entered the room and in place of replying to her mistress stood looking at his scowling haggard face with a look of consternation maunders replied with a look of petty triumph yes i got out he said rubbing the ragged beard which disfigured his well-moulded chin i wrenched a bar out of the window and climbed down by the ivy now the murder's out and you and your hellish mistress are about to be brought to book don't mind him sarah said frances lazily and leaning back in her chair to light a cigarette you are safe and so am i let the fool talk in the meantime tell colonel towton here how i came to england and how you knew that ida was merely dimsdale's adopted daughter i thought you wanted these things kept secret said miss jewin in dismay and turning pale with dread at the situation in which she found herself the time for secrets is past sarah shortly thanks to your having allowed maunders to escape and to colonel towton's sense of justice the hue and cry will be out against the whole of us is hokar at his post yes he went away when you gave orders that's all right i'll escape sure enough and so will you we'll leave maunders behind to face justice he can declare himself to be the spider instead of me if he chooses oh miss jewin started back looking terrified do they know maunders has told them you dear old idiot but there's no time to be lost sarah tell your story and be frank broke in the colonel who was truly amazed at miss hest's cool composure if you turn king's evidence you may receive a short sentence for your complicity sarah jewin folded her arms primly begging your pardon sir but i won't receive any sentence at all i am quite sure that miss frances will save me from going to prison i fail to see how she can save herself let alone you said towton coldly 
my horse is at the door after placing miss dimsdale in safety i shall ride to gatehead and send for the police you needn't chuckle miss hest and think you will escape meantime i shall raise the village and you will be carefully watched you can act as you please said francis coolly i am not the spider for nothing and i shall baffle you as i have baffled others meantime since you were so just to me i shall satisfy your curiosity which i am sure is very great sarah tell your story one moment said towton turning to the prim woman you lured vernon into the kitchen of that empty kensington house she dropped an ironical curtsey yes sir miss frances was pleased that i managed so cleverly ida stared wide-eyed at the shameless looks and speech of the housekeeper and towton frowned that these creatures should so audaciously confess their crimes when they knew he would shortly summon the police puzzled him greatly also remembering the wonderful craft of the spider he felt uneasy as to what might happen but he could not conjecture in what way she could extricate herself and her accomplice from the trap in which they were safely caught however he made no comment on miss jewin's insolence but merely ordered her to proceed about thirty-five years ago said miss jewin plunging into her story without any preliminary explanation i was in india and nurse to miss hest who was the wife of captain theodore hest stationed at bombay the captain's father who lived there was angry when his son went into the army and cut him off with a shilling but my master believed that if a son were born to inherit the estates his father would relent when my mistress's baby proved to be a girl he was much disappointed however as his father was old and might die before he found out the trick he sent home news that the baby was a boy and had her baptized francis so you see broke in miss hest who was smoking quietly that my real name is francis and by law i am a man as a woman i am frances so there is merely the difference of one letter go on sarah she said miss jewin pointing to her mistress was dressed as a boy and brought up as a boy so that the estates might come to her my master's father relented when he heard that he had as he supposed a grandson and made a will in the boy's favour the boy you understand colonel being a girl myself said francis for the sake of clearness i quite understand said the colonel frowning go on and my master and mistress were carried off within a month of one another by fever continued miss jewin they died in burma where the captain had gone with his regiment i then took charge of miss hest who was always called master francis and came to gerby hall old mr hest the grandfather just lived six months longer but he died under the impression that his granddaughter was a grandson miss frances thus became possessed of the property didn't the lawyer know that she was a girl asked towton surprised no as she had always been brought up as a boy the deception was complete sir said miss jewin using the word with shameless deliberation the lawyer came here and saw miss frances in her boy's clothes and in this way explained miss hest it became current gossip in the village that i had a twin brother a twin sister you mean said the colonel doubtfully well you might put it that way at all events every one in bowderstyke believes to this day that there is a boy and a girl or rather a man and a woman hest i alternately wore male and female clothes 
why was there any need for you to wear female clothes at all that was my fault said miss jewin quickly when the succession to the estates was settled i could not bear that miss frances should masquerade any longer as a boy i therefore dressed her in girls clothes to which she was entitled and invented the twin story sometimes she was a boy so that the lawyers should not learn the truth and sometimes a girl to please me there's the whole story now it's my turn said frances throwing away her cigarette when i grew up and learned how sarah had muddled my sex in the eyes of the world i decided to make use of it in order to earn money why did you need money when you had the estates asked towton briefly oh those were mortgaged up to the hilt my dear sir i wanted to be rich and to restore the hest family to their old position for this reason i posed as a philanthropist and spent the money i did what with the sums i have given in charity and the buildings i have constructed and the dam which is my work i think colonel that the hests can hold their own with the towtons i hated to think that my family was down while yours was up oh said the colonel with contempt so it's a case of jealousy merely all your philanthropy was a fraud for the first time frances coloured and rose out of her chair to reply with more emphasis no you must not say that i really have a mixed nature and like to help people my good qualities are the outcome of my evil ones i wanted to aggrandize the hests certainly since they were lords of bowderstyke valley until your family robbed them of their property but also i really wished to do good and help people i think i succeeded at the cost of murder said ida resentfully that was a mistake replied francis glibly as i never intended to murder dimsdale when i went to london in my women's dress with very little money in my pocket i simply intended to earn my fortune on the stage and by reciting to make francis hest my other self who is supposed to live here wealthy and proper i found that the reciting did not pay and cast about for some better means of making money alternately i lived in london as francis and bowderstyke as francis but i could not gain my ends by honest means and so was obliged to take to dishonest ways if you wish to know the devil who tempted me to eat of the tree of knowledge he is before you and she pointed deliberately to constantine it's a lie cried maunders starting to his feet with a fine appearance of indignation i met you three or four years ago in london and you discovered that i earned my living by telling fortunes as diabella that was all except he added scowling that you blackmailed me quite so said miss hess quietly i tried my prentice hand on you and the means of making money in this way was so easy that i took it up as a trade and adopted you as a partner go on maunders you tell the rest of the story so that everything may be made clear there's nothing to tell said maunders doggedly and casting down his eyes as he met ida's sorrowful look for he was not so entirely lost to all sense of shame as were the other two lawbreakers you made me find out all manner of secrets from my clients by hinting at things and asking questions and by-i know interrupted towton waving his hand i am aware of how fortune-tellers hint at a possibility and so find out the actual truth from their too credulous clients no wonder the spider learned so much that people would fain have kept to themselves who told you about dimsdale you know said maunders sullenly that woman there yes said miss jewin still prim and shameless when in burma with my master i heard about mr dimsdale's love for mrs menteith 
and how when her husband died he adopted the child but i never said that mr dimsdale delayed any expedition so as to get mr menteith killed no i invented that and made maunders tell it to you ida and to you colonel with the additions put in miss hest with great coolness also on finding out that ida was not dimsdale's daughter i became alarmed as to the disposition of the property therefore i made myself a friend of the family and secured the free run of the house you intended to get my money asked ida reproachfully certainly my dear replied frances raising her eyebrows ten thousand a year was far too much for a chit like you to handle i intended to get command of the whole lot first i hunted in the dead of night for the will and found it in the library desk then i made maunders tell you that you were not dimsdale's daughter after the murder so that you might be dependent on me since i knew a secret which could rob you of the money i had the secret told also to the colonel so that he might learn he would only have a penniless wife should he marry you my dear ida did you think so meanly of me as that demanded towton colouring indignantly miss hest raised her eyebrows my dear sir my experience of human nature has shown me that there is no mean trick which the majority of men will not commit for money you however were in the minority and so was ida as you both were honest this upset my calculations as i could not provide against the unseen in human nature you colonel still insisted upon marrying ida and she wished to hand over the money to lady corsoon for this reason i was forced to play my last card and produce the will but you did not intend to be found out as the spider no i did not confessed francis calmly when maunders betrayed me at isleworth you thought that the spider was a man which was exactly what i wanted and what i counted upon should such an event as unexpected betrayal happen in the fog i dragged maunders away and we went to the house of a friend of mine whose name i don't intend you to know i wired in cipher to miss jewin here to send a telegram to francis hest at professor gale's we got that said the colonel quickly and it threw us off the scent i thought it would said miss hest coolly so while you were hunting for the spider as a man in london i went down with maunders he was disguised as an old gentleman and i resumed my womanly dress then i wrote you on the plea of talking about ida and asked after my pretended brother to still further puzzle you you certainly succeeded retorted towton trying to conceal his wonder at all this clever trickery but ida was here and must have known that you were absent from the house as francis oh no i reappeared before her twice in this room which is as you see not very well lighted in my male disguise and with the painted scar on my face she was entirely taken in the very simplicity of your disguise took me in said ida angrily and wincing at having been so blinded had you worn a beard or a wig i should have recognized you i think not said miss hest quietly and with an amused smile as the man i wore my hair somewhat long i noted that said the colonel quickly how clever of you well then as a woman i merely knitted in false hair i couldn't wear false hair as a man since ida would have then been sharp enough to have recognized me but plenty of women wear false plates so i was safe on that score she never suspected me my sole disguise was the cicatrice skilfully painted and the success of the whole business lay as ida has submitted in its boldness and in the belief that i had a twin brother 
i have always found added miss hest musingly that the bolder one is the safer it is audacity always scores at all events i so closely resembled my own true self that no one thought i was any one else but what i represented myself to be as francis i told ida that i was taking my sister away for a week and so slipped up to london to meet vernon at lady corsoon's and to be nearly trapped at isleworth what about hokar and bahadur asked the colonel abruptly hokar said miss jewin making the explanation instead of francis was an old servant of captain hest's and came to england with me and the child later he sent for his nephew who was bahadur yes and i gave them both to maunders when i set him up in those splendid egyptian rooms in bond street observed her mistress they were not engaged to strangle people as you may think colonel but i merely wished them to add to the fantastical look of the place when fortunes were being told that you were so nearly strangled and vernon also was your own fault and his own you should mind your own business my friend i am going to mind it now said towton with a frown but first tell me since you are so frank what about lady corsoon's jewels there in this house i gave them into miss jewin's possession and lady corsoon can have them for one hundred pounds said miss jewin a very modest demand sarah said miss hest approvingly but as the game is up i don't think you will get more i shall leave you to arrange about getting the money and handing back the jewels lady corsoon will be safe and at a small loss but i am glad to think that she will not get your money ida dear don't speak to me cried ida starting to her feet the more you say the more i see how shamefully you have treated me i have spared you said miss hest coolly i could have stripped you entirely bare had i so chosen no by your own showing i was too clever for you why that is true and simply because you were honest i always wished to keep on the right side of the law or i could have got you to make a will in my favour and then you would have been poisoned how dare you shouted towton while ida gave a faint cry you have learned how much i dare said francis with an unpleasant look so now the story is told perhaps you will leave my house colonel towton walked towards the door with ida on his arm and roughly pushed miss jewin aside i shall place miss dimsdale miss menteith sneered francis in safety continued towton without noticing the interruption and then i shall ride for the police i shall come too cried maunders starting to his feet she will lock me up again and perhaps may kill me stay where you are commanded francis sharply i intend to maunders did not wait to hear the end of the sentence seeing that towton and ida blocked the door he made a rush at the nearest window and sprang out of it with a dexterity begotten of sheer fear whether francis intended to take him with her when she fled or whether she intended to murder him he could not say but he preferred to trust in the mercy of the law rather than that of the woman who had been his evil genius crazy with terror he tumbled to the ground and towton along with ida ran to the front door to see him speeding across the grass a moment later and francis with a revolver in her hand leaped from the window in pursuit from the expression on her face she evidently intended nothing less than murder towton hastily unbuckled the bridle from the ring and flung himself on his horse place your foot on my toe ida he commanded up you go there he added gathering up the reins as she sat on his saddle-bow and placed her arms around his neck now let us alarm the village that poor devil will be shot if this fiendish woman is not arrested and he rode forward at a moderately fast pace 
she'll catch him chuckled sarah jewin who had come to the door and was looking out from under the palm of her hand shoot miss francis shoot maunders finding that he was being chased could not make directly for the gate and dodged behind some shrubs francis sighted him and fired a shot it winged him for he gave a yell of fear and ran directly towards her in the open she fired another shot which struck him in the breast and he pitched forward at her feet just as she fired a third shot into his prostrate body there came a noise like thunder and a terrible cry from miss jewin the signal the signal the dam's burst and she bolted into the house in a flash towton comprehended it and set spurs to his horse francis strove to fly but maunders with a last effort caught at her foot and she fell heavily fighting for freedom like a wild cat the next moment he had her by the throat and in the distance a mighty roaring struck the ears of all as the flood came down gigantically end of chapter twenty one read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california